0: Hi and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And we're going to be talking today about color
1: perception. Uh Uh-huh. Karen. (laughs) Do you see what I see?
0: (laughs) I mean, experience would tell us only sometimes.
1: Yes there's definitely a difference in what I see and in what you see.
0: Right. So do you remember the Tombow display that we used to have when we had art supplies in the store? I sure do. (laughs) And do you remember that one color? Mm Mm-hmm. So if you either aren't local or hadn't come into the store before we discontinued carrying art supplies or whatever, Tombows are they're like watercolor markers. And we used to have a tabletop display of them that was sort of this vertical display where all the markers would stick out. And it was in this gorgeous kind of gradient, right? There were something like 200 colors of markers. There were a bajillion markers. And so it would sort of fade from one color to the other. But there was this one, it was like an olive green that I was like, why is this here? This is not where it belongs.
1: And it was kind of not very olivey green. It was like (laughs) an ochre gold.
0: Right. It to was, me. For me. For me, it was like if olive green and champagne had a baby. And it didn't belong where, wherever it was. I remember it was like maybe three-fifths of the way down on the right side.
1: And it was in 100% to my eyes the wrong spot. And it was absolutely in the correct spot <laughs> according to my eyes and the good people at Tombow. Right. Who made the display and put it there. <laughs> I feel pretty confident that your eyes were seeing that correctly
0: because of the good people at Tombow mm-hmm. in this particular case. But for my eyes, forever and
1: always, that one color looked wrong. Right. Eyes are mystical and magical. And everyone's eyes see things kind of differently, which is weird to think about. So do you remember when you were a kid and you had that realization?
0: I think every kid probably had this thought at some point where you were like, what if the color that I see as blue is the color that Jessica sees as red? And so for me, the sky is blue. And like, it looks like it does. And we all call that blue.
1: But for Jessica, it looks red. And we'll never know because you can't swap eyeballs with somebody. Right. It's totally mind-blowing to think about the possibilities of what other people see. It's like when we had that conversation about whether dogs can see color or not. (laughs) (laughs) Dogs have recently learned they can see color. Maybe not as many colors as people can see. Definitely not as many colors as chickens can see. But it's not all black and white. They see colors. There was a Radiolab episode about color a couple
0: of years ago, which I think it was just called color. There were a couple of things that really stuck out to me about that. One was that, and I, I do actually know this to be factually true because my degree is in Latin and Greek, in ancient Greece, there was no color for blue. And so cognitions have determined that that means, you know, to a certain point, if you have no way to label a color, your brain doesn't perceive that color as separate. Huh. So like in that way that for us, you know, there's sort of blue covers this huge gradient from like robin's egg to navy blue, but red Mm -hmm. shifts to pink at a certain point. Those That becomes a different color for us because we have labeled it pink versus what is cerulean. Like our brains don't... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Homer's like the wine dark sea and we're like, what is he doing? Water is blue. And there was a, a guy who did an experiment with his baby, which sounds like it's horrible, but it was actually a fine experiment with his baby. Where he just avoided ever saying to his kid the sky is blue, he avoided having that conversation. And then when that child was like I don't know two or something, he asked this child what color is the sky, and the child said white. Oh, that's fascinating, right? It's really cool. Go look it up. It's still you know it's still on there. The breaking development in that episode. (laughs) They talked about how mantis shrimp could see like this huge range of color, and they did this really cool thing with acquire where they had like different notes for different cones or rods in the mantis shrimp's eyes and they've recently learned that yes mantis shrimp have amazing eyes that can see all these colors but their brains are like, you know, the dust of a peanut and their brain can't <sighs> interpret any of the beautiful colors that their eyeballs can see so it's actually really very disappointing. So anyway, go check that out.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm overwhelmed with color information now. So this is all really relevant to us. Because as knitters, we're making color choices constantly. And for some people, they do that really confidently, and they love the process, and it's super exciting to explore the options and choose just the right thing for the project that they're about to embark on. And for other fiber folk, color choice is paralyzing. Yes. Do you remember...
0: This would have been back in like 2018. We had just moved to the store because I remember being really happy that we had windows, like enough windows for this woman to bring her yarn over to. She was looking for blue yarn, Mm -hmm. I believe. And every skein of blue yarn I would pull off the shelf for her, she would say, no, that's green. Yes. And- for me, that was very challenging because the thought that I was having in my head was if your eye is seeing this is green, I am not equipped to help you. My eye is seeing it as blue. I don't know how to figure out what it is that you're looking for. And basically we just ended up with a huge pile of blue and green yarn right by the window and she picked something that worked for her and went about her day. She was literally holding like. This is an audio podcast. It was blue. It was blue. My <laughs> my eyes saw it as blue. And she was like, Well, this is too green. And I felt broken. And then I was thinking about that radio lab episode. Yeah, we see this
1: a lot in the shop though. People will look at colors and will use a color name for a skein that they are referring to and that doesn't match with what I'm seeing either. I think at no other point in my life have I had this experience so frequently. Because on a day-to-day basis, maybe unless perhaps you are an art teacher or something, how often are you having these very color-focused conversations with people? So I feel like given this window of knowledge that we have now into other people's perception of color, it reinforces the concept that color is very subjective. Yes, oh, for sure. And that the rules are fake.
0: <laughs> the rules are the fakest. They're the fakest rules out of all the fake rules. So fake.
1: Yeah, I think for the people who have a lot of difficulty choosing color for their projects, that is their hurdle. They know that color theory is a thing that exists. And they're correct. It does. And yet there are no consequences. <laughs> Nothing bad will happen to you if you choose colors that fall outside of like this constructed color chart or, or whatever your reference point is.
0: I end up saying this a lot, but every color on the color wheel has a relationship to every other color on the color wheel. You can put colors together in any way that's pleasing to your eye, and particularly for something like knitting where you're creating an object to be worn. You know, if you were like a web designer or something, right, and you were trying to do like best practices mm-hmm. for legibility and for screen readers That does not apply when you're choosing yarn to make a sweater or yarn to make a shawl or a hat.
1: No, there's no best practice and you're not concerned with accessibility issues. Like, you're choosing what you like and you're running with it. Right. And it's magical. (laughs) And you really do get to choose whatever you like. Like, you can put neons with pastels or jewel tones or neutrals. And if that's what you're into, who cares if the sample for the pattern that you've selected is... Driftwood or right. oatmeal, like it's okay to mix things up and and play with your color.
0: We actually just painted our house, and we painted our house this really gorgeous. I love
1: this color so much. It's like this dark green. Mm-hmm. It does look really amazing. <laughs> it makes the lilacs in front of it look neon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so okay, that actually brings up a point, right? Because as you're combining color, mm-hmm. sometimes the way that color is Colors are combined with each other can bring out different aspects of each other,
1: right? Oh, definitely. You can combine two colors, say, I don't know, a gray with some sort of like bright, colorful pink, and your gray will look a certain way. And you take away the pink and you bring in, I don't know, an olive green, and your gray will look very different depending on the undertone of that gray. It will look darker or lighter, or it might seem more brown. Like, colors affect each other when you put them next to one another.
0: Okay, so this has always kind of confused me. How do you tell what undertone a color has? Like, when you're looking at a color and you're saying, oh, that's kind of a cool gray or a warm gray, or you could say that's kind of a bluey gray or a red gray. How do you figure that out?
1: That's a good question.
0: (laughs) Is the answer, use your eyeballs?
1: as I like to tell my children, use your looking eyes. (laughs) (laughs) It's helpful to hold colors against other colors, which sounds really obvious, but having a point of reference is really helpful in determining what you're looking at. I'm going to give you an example of when I did this recently very successfully. We had someone who does not live near us and even under normal circumstances couldn't come into the shop to look at yarn email about a particular gray she was looking at on our website, and she said, I would like a medium-toned gray. Is this medium-toned? Uh, maybe? Right. Medium between what, right? Right. What is your point of reference here? So when I sent her pictures of this medium-toned gray, I put it in a lineup. With other grays. Yeah. So that she had something else to look at to figure out where in that gradation the gray fell. And that was helpful for her to figure out whether or not it was going to work for her instead of just a single skein of yarn on a table. So if you're looking at, we're going to switch from gray to something else, like what color? Purple. Purple.
0: Because I feel like purple can be very cool and purple can be
1: very warm. It can be, be very blue or it could be very red. Yes. So, let's talk about purples for a second because purple is a huge category of colors. Sometimes you see things that are like fuchsia or hot pinks lumped in with purples. Things get very dark kind of navy blue in with purples. And I think that's one of the more common colors where we talk to people in the shop where they're like this blue yarn. Yeah, <laughs> or this pink yarn <laughs> and I think to myself, "Oh, I feel like that's a very purple yarn." If you are holding those yarns next to either more red things or more blue things, those colors that you're comparing it to will help you determine whether or not your purple falls into either of those families. It's either going to look like it is very much coordinating with that blue, like they have the same kind of cool blue vibe, or it's going to seem very red compared to it, much brighter and pinker, maybe, depending on the skein. So you need points of comparison when you're trying to identify colors, unless it's something really obvious, like say a very yellow green versus a very like kind of dark, cool green that you can see has lots of blue in it.
0: So, okay, let's say you're trying to combine different skeins of yarn and you are, maybe you're going wildly all over the color spectrum, right? But you're not necessarily doing like a rainbow, but you're, you're pulling from like you have a yellow, you have a blue, you have a purple, you have a gray, and you want to put them in some kind of order that's going to be pleasing to the eye. But there's no obvious order because it's not just a rainbow or a, here's six different gray tones. Mm-hmm. How would you figure that
1: out? What tricks do you have? Grayscale. You are going to organize your color, your colors, by taking the color away from them in a really easy way to do this is by using your phone for people who have smartphones, I guess. I, if you have like a, a funny little flip phone or something that doesn't take pictures, I think they still exist. Not going to work for you. <laughs> but if you have a phone where you can take a picture and put it into a grayscale format, what you're going to be able to see, would you take a picture of your six colors that you want to use in this project? is if they are all tonally similar. That might be what your goal is. If you're looking for a palette where things are kind of tonally similar or you want to put them in an order and there is something that's a wild outlier and you can't really see that when you're looking at the yarn in person, you'll be able to see it when it's grayscale. Cool. So just change the settings in your camera or edit it with a filter and make your choices accordingly. That's really helpful, too, if you're not necessarily doing color work, but you're creating a gradient with individual skeins. Like, say you have a whole bunch of mini skeins for a project and you're trying to figure out which order to put them in so it blends very evenly. That grayscale trick is a great way to figure out which one is a shade darker or lighter than the other. That's really cool. Super handy and really accessible if you have a phone.
0: Okay, so let's say you are planning a project. You're planning a colorwork project. Mhm. And you know, you're not going with the colors that the designer used in their sample because you don't want to. Prior to buying a bunch of yarn and casting on, how can you figure out if your eye is going to like
1: those colors together in a project? Ah, this is an excellent question. The answer is coloring. Oh, I love coloring. Yes. You can use crayons, you can use markers, you can use colored pencils, you can use an app on your phone or your tablet if you have something where you can color things. And we actually had a workshop a couple of years ago with our friend Kemper from Junk Yarn where we were knitting a shawl as a group. We were doing a knit-along. And before people selected their colors, Kemper handed out a piece of paper to everyone that had just like a rough sketch of the shape of the shawl with the different sections where the colors would be different. And everyone had, I think we had markers, and people just colored different combinations to figure out what was pleasing to them, and that helped inform their yarn selection choices. So that's something you can do at home with Whatever materials you have available to you, you don't need a pre existing coloring sheet. Like you can sketch out your little stick figure person with a sweater on it and just draw the kind of basic shapes or color block sections of this color work project. Like you don't need to intricately recreate the chart on your sketch to plug in the different colors and see if you like how they work. Alternately, if you have a pattern that has a color work chart in it, make a copy of that, and you can color in the color work chart, plugging in, you know, the palette that you think you want to use, and maybe once you get it on paper, it's great. Or maybe it's not quite right, and you need to play around with some different options. If you're not looking at a color work project, but you just need to choose a color for a single color project, this is also helpful. I know a number of people who perhaps they're having something knit for them because they are not knitters. And when they're shown patterns, and you say, what do you think about this? They say, not in that color, right? Which is not the question you're asking them. You are asking them to look at the garment and decide whether or not they like it. But because they don't like the color of the sample project, they can't see past that. And there's a woman who knits at our shop who prints all of her patterns in grayscale so that when she's choosing yarn for them she's not distracted or swayed by the sample colors she is looking at this like neutral blank slate so she can then just kind of like focus on the construction of the garment and focus on the yarn in front of her and choose that way that's really smart Mm -hmm. I was pretty impressed when she told me that trick (laughs) (laughs) can we spend some time talking about people's Socialization of color, I think. Yes. I think that's how I want to call this. Yes. People are raised in all sorts of different environments and cultures and circumstances. And I think that there are cultural differences amongst people and also generational differences amongst people in how they perceive color yes. and what color means for them. Right. And I think that most often we see this come up as. A point of conversation, I guess. When people come into Scratch and they want to knit things for babies, and some people are like, hey, this couple is expecting a baby, and they have a color theme, and they've done a room a certain way, and they would like things that match that palette. Sure, whatever that palette is, yes. Sometimes people are like, I want to pick the parent's favorite color, or I want to pick my favorite color for this baby. And that's great, too. And then there are some people who come in and they say, I need a boy color.
0: Right. And it happens more often with boys. Yes. People have really strong feelings about what colors boys can
1: wear. Mm -hmm.
0: It's really limited a lot of the time.
1: Yes. It is often limited to
0: blue. Blue. Sometimes green. Possibly brown. Right. Sometimes brown. Less frequently black for babies,
1: even though high contrast is very good for babies.
0: Oh, right. That's that's what babies need. They need high contrast and like shapes and colors for brain development, like give Mm -hmm. them some color to look at so their little baby eyes can focus on something.
1: Either way, great progress for Bebe. Yes. (laughs) So I think that we help people pick whatever colors they're in to look for, but I would like to... Just say for folks who feel like they maybe need some nudging or permission, it's okay to pick any color for any person. Yes. Babies specifically will wear whatever color they have put on their bodies, and they can't stop you from getting them dressed. <laughs> right.
0: Babies barely have elbows and definitely don't have opinions about color.
1: Expose them to lots of things and let their, let their hand knits be fun. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. We also
0: see a lot of this around people who want to make gifts for adult family members, where they will say something like, you know, my son or my daughter or my daughter-in-law, and they will say something like, she has gorgeous red hair, so I would like to make her something in green. Awesome. Love that. I always feel like when, when I feel good about this interaction is when it's like a, an additive. Right.
1: So, like, I want to highlight this feature that she loves, and this is her favorite thing to wear. But sometimes we have people who come in and who are like, my, my daughter-in-law has fair complexion and red hair, which means she can't wear X, Y, Z colors. She can't wear
0: pink. And then you go and look at, you know, the daughter's Facebook profile picture, and she's wearing pink, and she looks great.
1: It's pink in every color of her because she loves the color she pink. she loves
0: it. Right. Ah, let her wear pink. Yes, there's no rules. It's one of those things, like probably all of us as individuals are going to have colors that when you put them on, you're like, hmm, don't love that. Don't look my best in that, right? I think if I picked like a chartreuse top, I might be like, yeah, no, that's just not really my, that's not my palette. But the thing that we struggle with is when it's like prohibitions based around physical characteristics of the person. When somebody comes in and they're like, no one with red hair can wear pink, full stop. No one with this skin tone can wear
1: this color, full stop. Fake, false, wrong. Absolutely. And we periodically have those conversations with people because sometimes they're receptive to them. It's hard to like break out of your socialized boxes about these things because people have strong feelings. And color is important right color signals things to people color has all sorts of like connotations and represents things and you you want to make choices either for yourself or for the gifts that you're giving that feel good yes so we're asking you to try and think openly about this so if your if your friend really loves electric blue and you are like oh i don't think anyone should wear electric blue but your friend really loves that color don't tell them, no, you don't have to wear it.
0: Right. It breaks my heart when people come in. And a lot of times it's, it's people who've lived their whole lives like this. They come in and they're like, I love purple, but I can't wear it. And you're like, why can't you wear it? Who's going to stop you from wearing it? Go get yourself a purple thing and make a purple thing.
1: Like, what's... What bad will happen right. if you put purple on you? <laughs>
0: nothing. Literally nothing. I think the one exception to that uh-huh. is naked yarn. And that's usually just the think it through thing. This happens a lot, not all that often, but people who really like neutral colors and can like never see a situation where a neutral wouldn't be appropriate will pick up yarn, and they're like, I'm going to make my daughter a sweater. And you're looking at this yarn in this person's hand, and the yarn is half a shade off from the color of this person's hand. And then you have to be like, okay, if you make your daughter that sweater is it going to look as naked on her as it would look on you if you were wearing a sweater made out of that color that's the only time where we're ever like ooh hold up and even then and
1: even it's then it's a just be aware right <laughs> like right. is that what you want is right. that your intended outcome because i think last year shelly can hosted a knit along where everyone was making naked sweaters. Yes. So people were looking for yarns that were as close to their skin tone as they could possibly find, and then they were knitting naked sweaters. Which is awesome. But be intentional. Right. You just don't want surprise naked sweater. (laughs) Like, don't put all of the time and effort into an entire (laughs) garment for your human self, and then say, oh, oh, I feel very undressed when I wear this sweater. I don't know if I'll actually wear it out. Like, do it on purpose. Right.
0: Hey, what if you get it wrong? What if you pick colors and you do a bad job picking colors and everything goes wrong and something bad happens, probably?
1: Sad. What do you even mean wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I I think that's fake. I think people are really, (laughs) really worried about that. And in the end, it's not a real thing, right? Correct. There's something out there for everyone, and don't be afraid to play and don't be afraid to experiment with your color, but I think that there really is no wrong way to do things. No. And you know what? I know we bring him up periodically, but I think that Stephen West is like a shining example of how to push people to experiment with color. Yes. Because we have knitters who come in who are very neutral palette people, and when a new Steven West pattern comes out that's full of like wild color combination and neon and speckles and all sorts of bold color choices, people feel drawn to that. Yes. And it's okay to do that when it's not a Stephen West pattern too. Feel okay about choosing that purple sweater. Even if you've always thought you can't wear purple because your second grade teacher said something to you about purple, like I don't know where it comes from. It's different for everyone, but it's not a real rule and it's not a real restriction on you.
0: (laughs) Right. So Stephen West's thing is the neon is a neutral. Mm -hmm. Can I say something about our website? Jessica hates when I do this. So on our website, we have our colors or like our yarn is organized by color in Mm -hmm. the, you know, in the left hand bar, there's like a, I only want to look at red. Like I want to make a red thing. You can click on red and it will only show you red, which, first of all, that is a peek into how I see color because I am the one that's tagging all of those skeins. So if you're like, oh, that really looks pretty orange to me, that is telling you something about how our eyeballs work. Or is telling you about a mistake that I made, one of those two, depending on (laughs) how far off. If you go to the neutral, if you tick the neutral box, Mm -hmm. that is all of the struggle of my life because those are literally just the like, Oh, what color? It's not brown. Like if I were looking for brown, this isn't what I would want. If I were looking <laughs> for gray, this isn't what I would want. And there's some wild stuff in neutral because it's just kind of the, like, it's a catch-all. It's the, dino. it's a neutral. Like, yeah, <laughs> kind of purpley, browny, gray with some orange in it, like uh, mm, neutral. So go check that out if you need a laugh sometime, because you can just picture me tearing out like three of my hairs for every single one of those skeins of yarn that's in the neutral category.
1: <laughs> It's amazing. They're all beautiful. (laughs) There's a yarn for everyone on there. Okay, so what if I decide that
0: I want to knit a shawl out of neutrals and then I pick a neon yellow? Who is going to come bring me all the consequences for that?
1: Me. (laughs) No, no one. No one. It's fine. Yeah. Just do it. Do it and... Take pictures of it and show your friends and everyone will be impressed with how amazing your neutral and neon project is. It's awesome. You can do it. Hey, Jessica, what's on your needles? Oh, my sorrel. (laughs) Yeah, I'm chugging along. I am in the zone. I'm just knitting the body. It's so much stockinette, which is kind of soothing. Because then I can watch horrible true crime things and not have to be concerned even a tiny bit about what's on my needles because I'm just knitting. Right. hmm What's on your needles?
0: My barnhart. What is going on with my, like, glacial pace knitting right now? I don't know. Doesn't
1: matter. It's okay. Yeah, no judgment. Fine. Soon there will be new projects to knit. Yes, these can't last forever.
0: <laughs> you know what else I did a couple days ago was I did some mending. Mending is nice. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We did actually get some mending supplies in at the store. So if you're like, eh, we do have little yarn cards now and like sashiko thread and needles and And thimbles, the cutest little thimble rings. Yeah. We talked ourselves into carrying that stuff through this podcast. So there we go. That's right.
1: (laughs) Hey, Jessica. Yes, Karen. Are you ready? Oh, no. Ah!
0: For a letter. Yes. Yes. I (laughs) think so. So this week's letter comes from Claire. Hey, Claire. Who says, I knit a sweater that was way too big for my then boyfriend. I frogged the sweater and we've since broken up. Any suggestions on what to do with this cursed feeling yarn? I want to put it to good use because I have plenty of yardage. However, I'm not sure that I necessarily want to wear it as a sweater myself. And just as a note, she sent a picture.
1: Oh. And it's up on our Instagram. Oh, you don't want to miss this picture. Like, there's more information about this sweater project, but you have to see this sweater. (laughs) (laughs) It made me feel like waves of emotions. Yes. And we knew the world just had to see it. So go check out Claire's now frog, no longer in existence sweater, because it is something. Yep. Preserved forever at Make Good Pod. Mm -hmm. So Claire... This was particularly funny to me because I think I sold you that yarn. I very much remember you and the person that you knit it for. And it's nice. It's, it's Harrisville Highland. It's good yarn. And it definitely deserves to be a thing. And also I can relate to that feeling of uh, my yarn has bad vibes now. What do I do with this? So I would suggest maybe two options for you because you have lots of yardage Please go look at the picture of this sweater. She has lots of yardage (laughs) of this yarn. One option, since you don't think you want to make this into a sweater for yourself, is a blanket. Oh, like you have a lot of yardage. You could make yourself some sort of like cozy blanket. And that would be a project that, you know, you can pick up and put down when you're needing to get away from the yarn and work on something else. Like it's a side piece project. It's got time. But a blanket to, like, throw on the couch and snuggle up in when the weather turns again eventually would be a nice thing to have around, and it's not a sweater for you, so it won't have the same feeling that the last version of that yarn's life had. Another option for you is to spread it out. Like, you don't need to use all of those skeins of yarn in the same project altogether. If you're looking at them like that, it's going to be really hard to conceive of doing something besides a sweater, right? Because you bought it as a sweater quantity. But like maybe you need to use one skein of the jade colorway as the base color for a hat. And you could throw in one of the other colors as like the color work on it. You might make some mittens or like boot socks or that is now the yarn that you're going to use for all of your gift knitting to the six people you knit for for the holidays. And it will be flung to the wind in all different directions and we'll live lives with different people all over the place. And actually, maybe one more option is, depending on what colors you have, maybe you want to over-dye some of it. Oh, like, it might be your fun experimental yarn, where you're like, you know what, maybe maybe I want to do something different with it. I know that the yarn that you have is not super washed, so, you know, if you haven't dyed non-super washed yarn before, do... Do a little research and figure out if it's something that you want to experiment with or not. But that's definitely an option. Like, make it look different and give it a whole new life. That, and then there's always the option of just, like, letting it sit in stash until something occurs to you, or donating it, too. Like, if you are like, I have really bad feelings about this yarn, let it go. So I think the world is your oyster. You could use this yarn in many ways, or not at all it's right. totally up to you. Whatever you do, let us know, because I need to see the next version of this yarn's yeah. life. So hey, the Sorrel Soiree is coming up. It is. And this week, we have details for all of you, as promised. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of ours are going to be done, by
0: the way. I would be very surprised. Mine definitely won't. Jessica's might. But mm. I think I it's think, hard to say.
1: Yeah. It's hard to say. I've been feeling kind of glacial in my knitting as well so or maybe I will make it short it might be a very short sorrel (laughs) summer tea we'll see what happens anyway if you are participating in the spring knit along knitting one of the versions of the sorrel the sorrel soiree is our kind of closing ceremony event for this and it's taking place on Sunday May 30th If you are local to us, the time for that will be between 10 a.m. and noon. And you can come downtown into Lebanon, run over to Lucky's, grab a coffee, and sashay past our window. And we will take pictures of you or a little video and we will share it on Instagram, just like we did for folks who came by during the March of the Penguinos. If you are not local to us, that's okay. Put on your sorrel and do a little dance. Do a little whatever you want to do and take pictures, take a video, do some reels and post them on Instagram and tag us because we want to see everyone's amazing projects. And if you're not done, that's okay. Put it on some scrap yarn or a long cable and try it on in whatever state of knit it currently exists. Drape it on your head. Mm -hmm. We want to see it. And then as far as like the final closing event of this knit along the following day, Monday, May 31st. We will announce the winner of the knit-along. And remember, you don't need to be finished to be considered for winning the $150 gift card to Scratch. We'll be choosing from the hashtag MakeGoodSorrel, so make sure that you've been tagging your pictures. And you also need to be following both MakeGoodPod and Scratch Supply Co. to win. We can't wait to see who it is. I'm really excited to see all the sweaters. Oh, they're going to be so good. I mean, they have been so far. We've been posting updates, and there are just so many people who have knit at a less glacial pace than either (laughs) of us and are wearing their sorrels and enjoying them. It's great. So I think that's it for
0: us this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Like or subscribe. We're on all the platforms. We're on some things. Write and review us, because that helps other
1: knitters and fiber folk find us. And we like talking with you all. And we like hearing from you. So you can write letters to us, questions, show us pictures of your, whoa, way too big sweaters by sending an email to scratch at scratchsupplyco.com. Or you can always tag us or DM us on Instagram at makegoodpod. Bye.